What up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome to Tell Me More Podcast here with Sonia. <laughs> so we didn't I'm have here. like an intro, so I feel like I, you know, got it. Yeah, it's really good. Just do it, just like while out, you know. <laughs> Welcome to Life Church Livonia, where we while out for Jesus. <laughs> I'm here with my pal, Alex Rahill. Call me Al Pal. Al Pal. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Tell Me More is our podcast where we tell you more about (laughs) sermon from the weekend before because here it is you guys we believe that uh, relationship with god is about the journey it's about really diving into scripture it's diving into relationship it's really just diving in fully i love anything (laughs) one more thing because he's going for it if you're listening Uh, on our podcast can i just say you're missing a whole senses worth of enjoyment right now alex is doing a lot of movements over here And we dive in together and we really journey along life. And that's where real discipleship happens. It's Mm. where we really start to Mm. be transformed and healed. And it's a beautiful gift. And so we're really glad that you are here today joining Mm. us for Tell Me More, Mm -hmm. where Alex preached this past weekend about Nehemiah 5 and building the wall again. And what that... What? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, sorry, uh, just jumping in here. This podcast really is like a test, and so we're looking not just for a presentation here, folks. Oh yeah, we're oh, yeah. looking Come for on. full Tell contact. Because here's the deal: the evangelical church has been criticized, and I think rightly criticized. I might add um, mm-hmm. that sometimes Sunday morning, in an attempt to reach out to folks who are far from God, can be biblically shallow and not um, uh, meaty enough, and um, Hear it all the time. Yeah. And, and so this is this is a common criticism. We recognize there's some truth to that, but we're also not going to stop making Sunday morning accessible for people who are far from God because yeah, that's we why be we're here. Yeah, we um, want people to experience Jesus and it's hard coming to yes. church. So this podcast is our test to see, mm, can we combine what's great about Sunday morning that's accessible to people who are far from God with deep spiritual insight, depth. You know, in in the past, uh, it was really common that the staff members would lead a Sunday school or Bible study instead of having some kind of small group thing. Mm -hmm. Again, we value the community of our small groups. One of our values here is that we are highly relational, real people, real God, real life. Absolutely. And uh, so we're not getting rid of small groups. But again, this is just, we're trying to use what we got at our disposal. And what a great idea. You know, we can hang out, have a podcast. So here's the thing. This is about connecting with you too. So shoot us a message. Mm -hmm. You can do that through our website. You can do that through Facebook, Instagram. Mm -hmm. Drop us a line. Let us know. Do you have a topic that you want us to explore and talk Mm. about? Do you have questions about things that Alex talked about on Mm. Sunday or whoever is preaching? Shoot us a message. Let us know so we can talk about it. Right. Because we're here to talk, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing else, man. We talk so much talking, all the talking. So, Alex. Yeah. This past weekend, you preached about Nehemiah five, yes. <clears throat> building the wall, and Close. so I-, I preached on four and six, and skipped five and saved it for today. Oh, oh, oh. Yep, 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 yep. Sorry. No problem. We're hey. talking about Nehemiah five today. Yes. You talked about four and six. Yes. Thank you. Yes. So in your sermon, you said that you were saving Nehemiah 5 for Tell Me More. And so here we are to talk about internal and external opposition. You said that you were going to dig into that a little bit. So tell me more about that. What a great, what a great segue, Kate. Isn't she doing a great job? Isn't Kate the best? Snap, 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 snap. I'm a big fan (laughs) of Kate's. Um, You could say I'm biased in her favor. Uh, Uh, 
Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a Bob Hoyism. I know, I love him. Yeah, he's the best. Anyway, um, so this past weekend, if you haven't been following us, we're in this series called The Second Act. And uh, why I felt like that series was important for our church uh, is our church is in the second act. You know, we have an entirely, from, yeah. from July of 2020, we have an entirely new staff and almost an entirely new congregation. And God mm-hmm. has resurrected this bad boy here to do his work in this area. It's powerful. It's a powerful, powerful resurrection. Absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and so this, this story of Nehemiah, and as the Jews pronounce it, Nehemiah, that's for real. Ooh. You can, you can check that out. <laughs> You got something in your throat there? You need some water? No, 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 no. no. Not COVID positive, okay? Okay, good. <laughs> just, just speaking Hebrew. Okay, good. Thanks. <laughs> Easy to get confused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, so Nehemiah, or Nehemiah, as the Jewish people say, this past weekend I talked about facing the opposition. I think it's been rightly said that as a leader, you're always trying to change. Because you are taking people from where we are to where we would like to be, to a future that is better than our past and better than our present. And that means you're constantly facilitating change. And guess what? People don't like change. And so what has been rightly said about leadership is you have not succeeded as a leader until you have faced the opposition that comes from the change you've made. And at the point you have endured the blowback for the healthy changes you are trying to make, only then has your leadership really, truly succeeded. Because nobody mm-hmm. likes change, even good change. And we and like to I want to go through a whole like sidebar about how do you know if you're making good, healthy changes? How do you know if the opposition you're facing is appropriate? Or sure. if they're actually giving you yeah. good feedback, I don't know if that's yeah. a tangent. That you sure, can. we can we can tangent on that real quick. Okay. So, um, let's hear it, man. Let's hear as, it. As a as a leader, and it really is a person. You have to choose a short list of people who have the ability um, to confront you, who you give permission to just straight up tell you that you're wrong and you're dumb and you need to knock it off. Uh, (laughs) like you got to give people that permission and one of the mistakes leaders make is because they have authority they uh i don't think do this intentionally but act as if their authority is in some way sovereign that because Mm -hmm. they have a vision uh they're just right because their vision is better than the present however um i think jesus really aptly gives the analogy of sheep sheep take a lot of maintenance they're not, we're not cattle ranchers. We're not cowboys. We're shepherds. Right, right. Cattle is less maintenance than sheep. I saw a picture the other day of a sheep who had gotten lost in the woods for mm-hmm. years and had um, hundreds of pounds of wool on its body. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and it, it, it was drowning in its own wool because it didn't have a shepherd to cut the wool. Mm. And so, um, Leadership is not a leadership in the kingdom of God is not a capitalistic enterprise. Bigger is not always better. More is not always more. Um, and you got to we got to understand and just accept as leaders in the kingdom. Uh, we're doing God's work and he's our leader. We are a, a shepherd under a shepherd. We're mm-hmm. an authority under an authority. So I think, you know, how you know you're off or on 
You're going to face opposition regardless. Right. The question is, is that opposition leading you toward what you believe God is calling you to or away? Because if it's leading you toward and it's just slow, that's a you problem. <laughs> right. And right. They, right. you don't like that it's slow. That's a that's a me problem. Right. But yeah. um, if it's leading us away, then, you know, that's a different problem. And there probably needs something needs to be confronted. Um, but at the same time, it's, it is this balance. It's not a it's um, it's not an axiom necessarily. It's a but it is a reality that all leadership faces opposition. Yep. And as a leader, you don't really succeed until you've endured the opposition for the changes you're making. But you do have to have a short list of people who can change your mind and call you out and who know your crap and who, who um, are. I, I, and I always have found it helpful personally to have some of those people in the work with me and outside of the work totally detached from yep. it. Yeah, I think that's a really valid, really valid uh, point because it, it just helps people who see you on a day to day to be able to say, hey, this is how you're coming across, right, you know? Right, right. And then other people who are outside, outside of it to say like, hey, this is what you said your goal is, yeah. and this is where it looks like you're going, or right. this is your behavior. Right. Um, and so that's just a really helpful Yeah, and, and, you know, part of it too, is you're trying to discern, is the opposition coming from a small minority that opposes the direction, or is it coming from the majority because there's a problem, mm-hmm. right? And so like, and in every organization, there's opposition. Sometimes it's just a highly vocal minority um, that actually don't want the will of the majority. They want the, the majority to adopt their will. And that's yeah. part of where the problem lies. And then sometimes it's the majority itself crying out, hey, and the minority is the one saying, keep going, you're doing great. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, um, and I think that translates to family dynamics. Yeah, right. I think that translates to business dynamics. Right. Like, you know, of course there's going to be some opposition, there's discipline, there's hardships, there's challenges. Uh, But if a general sense is that you're not feeling loved and supported Mm -hmm. or, you know, have clear vision or direction, Mm -hmm. then you need to reframe. You need to start doing something a 100%. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. All right. That was a yeah. great summer. Thank you. I appreciate Very you welcome. going off on that. And Very welcome. you guys also appreciated that in- insight. No problem. Um, so in the sermon I preached on Sunday, we talked primarily about external opposition that's not coming <coughs> from the community itself that Nehemiah is leading. It's coming from um, the, these external countries that are trying to exert influence on Nehemiah because they don't want him to do what he's doing. Um, they're enemies traditionally of Israel, and they um, don't want Israel to regain its power. So um, that was the sermon on Sunday. If you missed that, go check that out. But in chapter five, an amazing thing happens that is, I think, also not just an, an instance. It, it's an illustration of kind of what happens in every kind of change and uh, every great work. So we're going to read here in Nehemiah chapter five. Um, And so it says, now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. Others were saying, we're mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get grain during the famine. Others, uh, still others were saying we had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. Although we are of the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews, and though our children are as good as theirs, we have yet to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. So here's what's happening. Uh, Israel at this point is 
uh, a subject nation to Persia, okay? And part of what happens when a nation was conquered is every citizen has a tax that they have to pay on their property to the kingdom that owns their country. And in exchange for that, what you get in exchange, and this is true, if, if, this would be true if Israel had their own government as well. The people would pay like a portion of grain or wine, whatever it was their family produced to survive, they would pay a portion of that to the king. And in that's ret- what they had. That's, that's what, what they have. Yeah. Right. Most people didn't have like cash. They had a, a resource, right? And then the resource was how they tr- did trade. Um, and then in return, the king would provide military protection. Now, what made a government corrupt was when they overextorted people and or didn't provide the protection they promised. Okay. Right? And, and that's when people start to have this kind of corruption because people are just getting attacked or the army itself is just taking advantage of the citizens because they have power, right? So um, what's happening here is that the people are crying out to Nehemiah saying, listen, we, our fellow Jews are taxing us. Our fellow Jews are making money off of us and we can't even eat. They are taxing us so much. We took out a loan from them to survive this famine. And now the interest on what we have to give back to them is so high. We can't even feed our own families. Not only that, we've had to sell some of our children into slavery so that they could survive and so that we could survive. And Nehemiah hears that this isn't Persia doing this to the Jews. This is the Jews in Jerusalem doing this to each other. And he is furious. He is furious. And so it says, when I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry, (laughs) pondered them in my mind, and then accused the nobles and officials. And I told them, you are charging your own people interest. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them and said, as far as possible, we have bought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. And now you are selling your own people only for them to be sold back to us. They kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. (laughs) So I continued, what you are doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? I and my brothers and my men are also lending the people money and grain, but let us stop charging interest. Give back to them immediately their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and houses, and also all the interest you're charging them. 1% of the money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. We will give it back. Come on, you guys. Stop it. Stop taking advantage of each other. Unreal, right? What are you guys doing right now? Literally, the, 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 the rich people saw an opportunity to make money because the poor people had to borrow money from them to survive, and they thought, ah. A little interest goes a long way, but it's creating this this national crisis where the Jews are literally selling themselves back into slavery a generation after they just returned from exile. So Mm -hmm. you got to understand the sociological piece of this, like on a, on a, on a tangible, just divorced of any of their history note, that's horrible. That sucks. That's wrong. Yeah. But then to add insult to injury, these people literally were just freed from 70 years of slavery 90 years before 
And now their own people are selling them back into slavery to make money. Which is so interesting about how the oppressed often become the oppressor. Right. And what that says to me is that when those things happen, when the victim becomes the uh, the perpetrator, it's because you haven't dealt with your mm. own struggle. You haven't That's dealt with your true. own issues. And so it's a really clear representation and example that these people did not deal with their own trauma. Yeah. It's I a good reminder for me. Continue and, and, to deal, do my work. And you can see that because they're literally sitting in the ruins of their own city. Yep. Right. Yep. They're sitting in the rubble of their own home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead of uh, building or cultivating that home, they're extorting the poorest people in it. Yep. yep. Man, so wrong. So yep. then I summoned the okay. priests and made the nobles and officials take an oath to do what they had promised. I also shook out the folds of my robe, which is just a way of like, you know. Well, hold on. You missed verse 12 where he oh, says, did I? We Oh, we will, will give, give it back, back and we will not demand anything fly. more from yep. them. We will yep. do as you say. So then he yep. says, good. And then he basically makes them promise to God that they're going to do it. They say, so help them God. They promise. You say promise. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, So he shakes out his robe and he says, in this way, may God shake out of their house and possessions anyone who does not keep this promise. So may such a person be shaken out and emptied. Mm. So he's, making, he's basically have them make a deal with God. Like, okay, if we go back to extorting this, we're, we are trusting that God is going to take vengeance on that by taking everything we have from us. Like that's, that's some justice though, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> At this, the whole assembly said amen and praised the Lord. And the mm-hmm. people did as they had promised. Moreover, from the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be their governor. So this is like kind of fast forward in the future. He's saying, moreover, later down the road, when I was uh, appointed to be the governor of Jerusalem, until this 32nd year, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor, meaning that they didn't take the people's tax. So while he was king, while he was the governor, the vassal of the land, he didn't accept uh, a land tax or resource tax from the people. He let the people keep their money and their um, their food mm-hmm. so that this didn't repeat mm-hmm. itself. Yeah. And so he's modeling years later, like a, over a decade later, he's modeling what he just asked the nobles to promise to do, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Which Man. is great. We love to follow leaders like that. Mm-hmm. We love to follow leaders like do as I say, not as I do is such an unattractive leadership model. But if yeah. we're like, yeah, you know, uh, I I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I myself am not going to do. It's right. just powerful. It's a way more humble approach to leadership, and it's awesome. I respect leaders who do that. One hundred percent. And then it, he ends. But the earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took forty shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Shekel is a measurement. Again, they didn't have like um, value is literally measured by quantity. So the more you had of something the more you had of something, right? It wasn't like money where it's the same paper and just the, the printing, what we say it's worth is a representation. So anyway, shekel is just, just a, a unit of measurement. You can click on something like this little A here to get what that would translate to in our day and age. Doesn't really matter though. Their assistants also lorded it over the people, but out of reference for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on this wall. All my men were assembled there for the work. We did not acquire any land, meaning we're not profiting off of this. We're just Mm -hmm. doing this for Jesus. 
Furthermore, 150 Jews and officials ate at my table, as well as those who came to us from surrounding nations. Each day, one ox, six choice sheep, and some poultry were prepared for me. And every day, every 10 days, an abundant supply of wine of all kinds. In spite of all this, I never demanded the food allotted to the governor because these demands were heavy on the people. Meaning all this stuff that, like the abundance you just read, this feast that's happening every day, um, the people are freely giving. He's not demanding it from them. They're giving out of gratitude to him. Um, and so remember me with favor, my God, for I all I have done for these people. So on Sunday, we had talked about all the opposition uh, coming from the outside, that there's these insults and discouragement coming. And that's Satan's often number one way of trying to get us to quit God's work. Just trying to make us feel inadequate or like it's not worth it or like right. we don't know what we're really doing. And because we don't really know what we're doing, we shouldn't be doing anything. Um, number two, he comes at, at us often with some kind of threat of violence, some some real uh, threat to our tangible well-being. Um, and then number three, with distraction and trying to get us distracted on something that's not God's work. And so that's all happening at the same time this is happening. So Nehemiah is dealing with all of that. And then he finds out the people that he is trying to rebuild this wall for are extorting each other to make a profit in the midst of all of this pain and chaos. And he does not tolerate that. But can you imagine uh, being attacked? Some of you can. Being attacked in like every venue and outside of your life. And then also having your closest circle, the people, your people, literally your people, um, also be trying to take advantage of each other and, or you at the same time and trying to, Dude, again, I would try- just rage out. I would just rage out. Oh, it'd I would be bad, right? Love of mind. Yeah. It'd be bad. Yeah. And Nehemiah is just, um, his strength of character is really deep. Yeah. really deep because he does get super angry but he doesn't uh um, but he still holds himself together he still right. does he still responds in like this beautiful godly way that's right. like what are you guys doing hold up hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, but he's firm and he's consistent and he's true to the lord and he's true to the people it's just a really great witness yeah it is it's pretty amazing it's just like the kind of person that you would want to have in your life. Right. You know? Right. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I want to jump to one more thing. Uh, well, I had another question. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do you want to do your... No, no, you go ahead. I'm looking for it. <laughs> okay. So... Um, you talk about this external opposition, and yeah. I'm curious about how you think Ephesians 6 uh, ties into that, because it's easy for us in this external opposition to villainize or make people wrong or bad. Mm-hmm. And in Ephesians 6, it talks about how we aren't fighting against flesh and blood, but mm-hmm. dark powers and principalities, um, of this world. And so mm-hmm. how do you, you know, tell me more about what you mean when you talk about this external opposition. Yeah. And how Ephesians 6. Yeah. Like that. that was what I was looking for. Good call on that. Oh, Kate. Good. Um, okay. Great. It said, uh, we'll, we'll just read this section here. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Notice it says against the devil's schemes. 
Mm-hmm. And he just finished before this talking about slavery and slave owners and how slaves and slave owners need to treat each other in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which, you know, you, uh, people in America are, get obviously very tense and heated about the idea of slavery in the Bible. Paul is preaching to his culture at this time, and slavery is a normal and natural part of this culture. Mm-hmm. And so, but he's trying to say, um, the way you do this relationship outside of Jesus is radically different than the way you do it inside. Right. And, um, but we know about all the conflict that can arise from master slave relationships and really just any communal relationship, which Paul is also just finished talking about. So in light of all that, he says, take your stand against the devil's schemes, meaning that opposition or hardship that's happening even if it's through other people, ultimately there are spiritual forces behind this. And he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Your slave master is not the problem. Your mother-in-law is not the problem. Not that those two are related. <laughs> <laughs> for some of you, <laughs> your, uh, your father-in-law is not the problem. Your brother's not the problem. Your mom or dad's not the problem. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And Paul is saying, one of the things I I love about this and I just love about the biblical worldview is we, uh, we like to think of body, mind, and spirit almost as like different rooms in a house, right? Like, yeah, I have a spirit room, but I mostly hang out in my mind or my body Mm -hmm. or, you know, like, yeah, I have a lot of anxiety, but that's just a mental thing. That's in the mind room. I don't, there's not a lot I can do with my spirit or body to change that room. And the biblical worldview would say, that's not really how your body, mind, spirit work. It's more like um, the primary colors, right? It's more like how with the primary colors all on top of each other, now we see the world in color. And to remove any of those body, mind, or spirit, is to lose a whole uh, perspective on reality. And so Paul is saying that every time there's an opposition in our lives, even though it's coming through people, there's a spiritual thing coloring that. And there's a spiritual force behind that. And the real enemy is not this other person who's also made in God's image, who Jesus also died for. It's the spiritual forces of darkness behind this person that are influencing this person, that this person is a slave to or surrendered to, hence why they need the freedom of Jesus. Um, And so I I wanted to share that Sunday, but I just didn't have time. And it is so easy, both inside. And I think it's even easier, um, depending on your personality, maybe, to demonize people who are your people and do you wrong and betray you than it is to Mm -hmm. demonize people who are just out there. And I don't really know, but are maybe ideologically against me. And again, I think different personalities tend to demonize Mm -hmm. one over the other. Yeah. I was going to say, I think personality has a lot to do with that. Yeah. You know, but yeah. And even it's funny, different cultures do too. Like there are some cultures on earth where you're really kind to your immediate family, especially your elders, but then you can just be like terrible to people you don't know. (laughs) And and it's totally acceptable. And then the other way around as well, where you're like super polite to people you don't know, like really want. And then a monster at home. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Yeah. And so culture, personality, a lot, these have a lot to do with it, but Mm -hmm. as a final note on opposition, um, 
I think it's important for us to recognize that we are, if we say yes to Jesus, we say yes to the forces of darkness opposing us. Yep. Um, but it's worth it to follow. We Jesus. say yes, that that's going to happen. Yeah. That, that we are going to be alert and aware that we are fighting against this dark force, mm-hmm. that it's a real thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Not, yeah. not, we're not saying yes. Like, yeah, right. we're not on, surrendering right. to them. No, right, 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 no. right, 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 right. We're saying like, yes, we recognize these are real. Yes. And we're going to fight again. And maybe a better way to say it is when I say yes to God, I accept God's enemies as my enemies mm-hmm. because they yeah. oppose him. They will oppose me. Yeah. I have somebody in my small group last night who we were talking about opposition and you know, whatever. And she said, yeah, they said, they said, get baptized. They said, you know, Ah! spiritual warfare. They said, I didn't know what that meant. And boy, do I wish they would have told me more about it. (laughs) This made me me laugh. That's really funny. That's awesome. And and like, yeah, that really sucks. That's real. (laughs) But it is, it is. And one of the things I mentioned Sunday, but didn't get to fully say is, listen, like we're going to face opposition, whether or not we follow Jesus, we are going to fight for something. Yeah. Yeah. Be it ourselves, be it mm-hmm. our comfort, be it our happiness, be it our way, but yeah. not everything we fight for is worth fighting for, but Jesus is worth fighting for. Right. And yeah. on this mission, partnering with him in this mission to heal the whole world mm-hmm. and make all things new and good, that is worth fighting for. That is worth dying for. Yeah. That is worth giving your life to. Yeah, my own sense of comfort or happiness day to day not worth dying for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that we are going to face opposition. Period, and it will come from within and without. It will be external and internal. Yep. And that's just part of the gig. And I think that um, I just so treasure and respect Nehemiah. And I think from him, the two things I've been personally ingesting from this have been just so uh, challenged, enamored, respected of his prayer life. I mean, goodness gracious. The guy spends four months praying about whether Mm -hmm. or not he should move to another country and quit his day job and then does it. Yeah. Like, come on. Mm -hmm. Come on. That's amazing. That's Um, really powerful. Yeah, and then he gets faced with all this stuff and just handles it so well. Well, I mean, he spent four months in prayer. You know what I mean? Like, he knew. He had right. this security. And, and that's the other thing that I just so respect mm. about him is he um, is so clear on what his job is and what God's job is. Yep. You know, yeah. so our, our furnace went out last week while I was away at Midwinter in Chicago. Which Midwinter is our denominational conference yearly. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I'll fill in the blanks. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> I always got my back. Um, so I was away at Midwinter this last week. Our furnace goes out and Amber is home alone. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do about this. Mm-hmm. And um, in, the, in the days leading up to that, Tuesday, I had a shoulder injury um, from just tension. I aggravated a, a, a knot behind my, sh- my shoulder blade while I was exercising. Mm-hmm. And I lost all of my strength in my right arm. And I couldn't turn my head to the right. Oh, um, my gosh. Yeah, not good. <clears throat> and so I was like Googling, uh, you know, emergency sport massage in Chicago, trying to figure yeah. out like, how do I deal with this? Because I can't even function right now. Yeah. 
And then Wednesday, we got denied for this insurance that we had applied for that made no sense of like, there's no no thing worth denying. That then just threw a huge wrench in my plans. And then Thursday, I wake up to a text that our furnace has died. Um, it just was boom, like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just had to tell the Lord, Lord, I can't do this. Like, I know I need to preach this sermon for my people. Mm-hmm. I know you have something for me here at this conference, but I can't do anything about a furnace in another state. So that's got to be your job. Like, yeah. this, I know <laughs> yeah. what my job is. Yeah. And I can't do this. This ha- You have to do something about this. Yep. And he totally did. On Sunday, a couple came up to Amber and I and offered to pay to replace our furnace. Oh, Praise the, Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Every and time. It got replaced yesterday, and I didn't know there was a snowstorm today. Oh, look at that. Look, look at that. that. Look at that. Thank look you. Look at that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I just That's didn't so even cool know this whole snowstorm was coming. And the yeah. day before it finally gets installed, and we were able to move back into our house yeah. after living out of a suitcase for two weeks. Yeah. That's so, so awesome. The Lord yeah. is so beautiful, you know? I just have been so... Um, challenged and encouraged by Nehemiah's clarity on what his role is. And then just this awareness, like God's the project manager. Mm-hmm. I have one piece of this pie. He's got everything else. And I'm going to let him do his job. And I'm going to stick to my job. And even if your furnace hadn't gotten installed <laughs> and nobody had offered to give you the money for it, you still, God is still faithful yeah. and he is still just, and you still knew what yours was to do and right. what God's was to do. And it's possible that there were other things that could have happened, but yeah. this is what happened and we're going to. Yeah. And I, I was asking him about why this opposition. And I felt like today he told me, I am showing you what's in your own heart. Mm. I am showing you at the guts when you just keep getting hit in the face with stuff. It's scary. It's scary to who, know what's in our hearts sometimes. Yeah. Right. Know? Who are you really instead of who you think you are? And so yeah. it's easy to be the person I want to be when I have all my rhythms and I have all my routines mm-hmm. and I keep my yep. schedule and there's no interruptions. Oh man, that sounds great. I love that. But I when, love that. <laughs> when every day something's going wrong and I'm disoriented and I have no rhythms and no schedule yeah. and every time I try, get something else happens. He's like, Hey, and I had to keep telling myself, what are those things for if not to use them now? What yeah. are those things for if not to build a kind of person that can do this now? That's yeah. such a good word. So That's I've been so word. challenged by this book and so encouraged by it. And God is really moving in my life through it. And I hope the same is true for you. Any other thoughts before we end, Kate, that you want to throw in here? No, I don't think so. Thank you so much for your teaching on this. Thank you so much for your passion and your heart for you know, just the cultural relevancy and helping to bring it to uh, reality and fruition today and how it applies to our lives. So thank you so much, Alex. I appreciate it. And thanks to all of our listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being here today and all the time. We really appreciate you. And if you have any comments, questions, concerns, or anything that we could be doing to pray for you or support you in your journey with Christ, holler at us, you know, let us know. Let us know. (laughs) We appreciate you being here today. Yes. Amen. Go in peace, everybody.